As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You are now entering the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, a show that uncovers what's fact, what's fake, and what's fun in the crazy world of pseudo archaeology. Hello, and welcome to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast, episode 98. Tonight, we will visit the thing. And specifically, I, your host, Andrew Kinkella, will talk about visiting the thing. So, first things first, what is the thing? The thing is a place in Arizona. It's a specific spot in the middle of nowhere. Right off the highway, right off the 10 freeway in, I believe, eastern Arizona. Now, I visited this way back in 1998. And I do have to say that it was one of the weirdest, oddest moments of my life. Now, how did I find myself in the middle of nowhere off the 10 freeway at night? Basically... I was on my way to Belize. I mean, aren't you? Isn't everyone in the middle of nowhere on the 10 at night going to Belize? This was in May, I believe, of 1998. It must have been because I had just finished my first year of grad school for my master's thesis. And as part of that, I needed to go start my field research. So I had to get to Belize. Now, for those of us who work in Belize, the deal is always the same. You're racing to make it before the rainy season gets there. Now, the rainy season shows up around eh, end of June, early July, and it just makes things much more difficult. So you want to get there as soon as possible. What that means is if you're going to school, as soon as you take your finals, you basically leave the next day. So my finals were over in like mid-May and I literally left, I think the night after my last final, I think it was, it was right, right away. And the deal was I'd be driving from Southern California. I lived in LA at the time and I would drive across the desert Southwest and meet up with Lisa Lucero, who I was working with. She at the time lived in Las Cruces, New Mexico. So the first leg of my journey from L.A. to Las Cruces, New Mexico, I would be doing by myself. 
Then I'd meet up with Lisa and we would take her car the rest of the way from Las Cruces, Belize, you know, together. So this this initial drive, though, it was like it was like a 13 hour drive. And I did it in my trusty old 1974 Toyota Land Cruiser FJ 55 for you Land Cruiser nerds out there. This is a very old sort of cliche looking Land Cruiser. It was a four door. It was super rusty. I I bought it really cheap. In terms of driving on the freeway, it was terrible. It had no seatbelts, I remember. And although it had six cylinders of power, anything over about 60 miles an hour was a serious, shaky, scary fest. And also, older cars like that are not the greatest for desert heat, which I'd learned the year before. I'd done this drive the late spring prior So in my genius for this drive, I'm like, okay, you know what? I overheated last time, so I'm going to leave at night. And so you think this is like a 12, 13-hour drive, right? So I believe I left at like 2 in the morning or something like that, or 4 in the morning, something like that. I remember like darkness. I remember driving through a lot of darkness. And in my genius, I'm like, well, you know, it's a 13-hour drive. It's a bit long. I'll sleep in the car. In the desert in late May. Yeah, you see where this is going. So I drove like all night. I got very little sleep. You know, by around 10 in the morning, I'm dying. I'm in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't drive anymore. I need to go to sleep. I'm going to pull over. I try and sleep in my car. I just totally can't because, you know, it's hot in the desert. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, It's so good that I'm here to tell you this. So I try, but I try and do this for like 20 minutes. I'm like, this is so stupid. What am I doing? So I remember I pulled over to like a Motel 6 and I made some deal with them where I was like, you know what? I just need room for like, like five hours, you know? So it's an odd time, right? You're checking, you're checking in at like 10 and you're like leaving at like three. But I did it, you know, and they had AC. Uh, it was glorious, right? So I do my like four hours or five hours of sleep. And then I, I leave. So I, I leave at like four in the afternoon or whatever. So I skip the desert heat. I drive for a few more hours. Sun goes down. It's dark, right? It's eight or nine at night. I remember it being pretty late. It might even have been 10. It was weird. I remember it being late. So I'm driving and I see these signs. I've been seeing these signs, these road signs that say, what is the thing? The thing, the mystery of the desert, that kind of stuff, right? You see these billboards and every, you know, 30 miles, 40 miles, you'll see one of these. What is the thing? Always in the same font with like this yellow background. It's sort of creepy creature of the Black Lagoon font, right? What is this thing? And I'm just I'm just looking at this and they'll say like, what is the thing? 186 miles. What is the thing? 92 miles. And so I'm like, dude. I got to check out the thing. So I'm driving, 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 driving. Middle of nowhere, man. My my Toyota Land Cruiser is like grinding like it did. You're going 62 miles an hour and the thing's like. (laughs) So I see the off ramp and I pull off. And you guys, there is nobody there. It's one of those off ramps where. 
all there is is like an off ramp and then an on ramp. Right. And that's it. You just kind of you're off. And then there's a little thing there and you're on. And all that's there is a truck stop. But there's like no trucks there. There's just me and my Toyota Land Cruiser. Right. There's a gas station there. No attendant. No nothing. It's just there. Right. But on the other side of the gas station, there's like this huge shed kind of thing, like large. I don't know. I don't I don't want to call it a barn, but it's just like a like a like a huge open singular strip mall building. It's odd, right? Just this single standalone large shed thing and there's actually two or three sheds they're like stuck together but they're big right there's lights inside there's a there's the sign that says the thing but the lights are really dim and there is nobody around so i'm sitting in my i'm sitting in my car i'm like what is this but i'm like you know what i've come this far i don't need gas thank god but I need to check out this thing. I'm doing this. I need to get some spine here, man. I'm going to go in. So I walk up to the door, which is open. I walk in the door. Nobody there. Right? There's a cash register. One of those old school cash registers. Those like click, shht, you know, those totally analog cash registers with the like numbers that circle. But next to it, I think there was a basket. And it said, like, entrance to the thing, $1. And you had to, like, put your dollar in the basket. And so I'm like, that's cool. So I take out a dollar, I put it in. And then I think I also bought, like, two bumper stickers to say the thing. I still have the bumper sticker of the thing on my office door today, right? It says, the thing in Texas Canyon, Arizona on the I-10. Right. So and I think those are 50 cents a piece or something. So I think I put two dollars in. Right. No people. But the lights are on. But they're dim. And I walk in. <laughs> so I start to cruise in and I'm like, what is this place? What's there in this big open, the world's biggest storage shed, super dusty, just chock full of junk, right? Really crammed with just like curios and oddities and weirdness. But I haven't even cruised through yet. I can just sort of see it. It's like the world's saddest rendition of the huge storage room at the very end of Indiana Jones. You know how when they store the Ark in that, sh in that room, there's that huge storage room with all these like nice like these wooden boxes it was the equivalent of that but in a really sad u-haul way and there was a there was a pathway through all the like stacked up junk right and the pathway was shown by huge yellow painted feet like monster feet you know showing you which way to go so the deal was follow the feet and it'll lead you through this room of curiosities and weirdness on your way to ultimately seeing the thing. 
And as I put my foot down on the first huge monster footprint and began my journey, I'll talk about what I found after this break. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check. Don't forget to pack the five-hour energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Welcome back to the Pseudo-Archaeology Podcast, episode 98, Kinkella Visits the Thing. And when we last left off, I had just walked in to this building and or series of buildings that houses the mysterious thing. Now, at this point in our story, I'm starting to walk through this crammed huge room with a bunch of odd curiosities. And I'm starting to look at them, right? And there's just, it's hard to summarize what's in there because obviously... It's stuff that somebody who's lived in the desert for a very long time has collected. They're a collector, right? And so they have lots of certain things. And these things may be like pieces of old covered wagons, right? They may even be driftwood that's used in art projects. You see how wild the swing is right there and everything else in between everything else in between driftwood and wagon parts you know and i know you're like how do you get driftwood in the desert you buy it so you start to go through here but you see how there's this odd pull to look at this stuff you're like who it, it gets into the psychology of the person who collected it so i will also say as I start to walk through this and I'm looking at these rusty wagon wheels and this like driftwood art, I get a really odd feeling that somebody's watching me. Like I know that there's at least one other person in that building. I'm hearing scurrying and like, Maybe a door or a closet or a drawer being closed kind of far off. 
and I'm trying to be cool, but it's late at night. I'm in there totally by myself on an off ramp. I got off totally by myself. And I have to say, it's starting to creep me out. It's so much like an X-Files episode. I mean, you might as well be playing the X-Files theme song as I'm walking through here. But I'm trying to be cool. I'm like, dude, don't don't let that get to you. Yeah, there's somebody here. What? They're just some sort of desert person. You know, they're just making money on this. It's cool. So I put that in the back of my mind and I keep meandering, following the giant yellow footsteps on the ground. Beyond the various pieces of rusty metal, things are things are described with odd signs like, can this be real? And then that sign will be in front of like a driftwood art object. And you're like, uh, kind of. I don't know if somebody really likes weird driftwood objects. It's real. As you walk through, there's going to be a bunch of old like Wild West stuff, too. Right. So there's like saddles. There's, I think, some six shooters, various guns. You're going to see kind of rusty guns and everything. You guys, everything in there is rusty and dusty. Rusty and dusty, you know, like like nobody been dusting this in a very, very, very long time. So the whole thing has that feeling of low light and must. And so I'm cruising through looking at the Wild West stuff. I'm like, okay. then they have kind of a decent amount of cars to like really in poor shape. 1930s cars. I believe there was like a old fire engine in there like a 1930s fire engine again to my fading memory is all kind of rusty this is you know it wasn't even really red anymore just been in the desert a long time you know just a desert person collecting this but then you turn the corner and there's like an, i believe it's a 1937 rolls royce in like vaguely okay shape and then the sign is like was this used by Adolf Hitler? And there's a mannequin of Adolf Hitler with the 1937 Rolls Royce. And I forget, I think he's sitting in the back or he's getting out or something, but it's like, I'm supposed to be excited that this car may have been used to drive Hitler around. And on top of it all for car nerds, Rolls Royce is a British company. Hitler driving a British car in World War II? Ah, it's just so odd. <laughs> right? You're like, uh, okay. Hitler in a Rolls Royce. So I keep going. Passing the Rolls Royce Hitler. Looking at some more saddles. Some more driftwood art. Some more just rusty metal stuff. Desert stuff. For those of you who work in the desert. Right. For those of us who've done a desert archaeology, you know, you've come across this stuff in archaeology out in those kind of places. You just find metal stuff will just be out there for a long time. Right. Rusting, but kind of slowly because it's a dry environment. So metal stuff tends to preserve pretty long in archaeology. Sometimes we're reduced to recording like dump sites of old cans and stuff just because they last so long in a desert environment. So. Somebody has collected all this and, and made some sort of museum of curiosities. So I keep going. I keep hearing the scurrying. Yeah, I keep hearing the vague door close and the out, out in the air. 
but I'm going to get my money's worth, man. So I keep going, you know, past some old gold pans used for gold panning, some miscellaneous fossils. And, you know, there's going to be some miscellaneous arrowheads in there. You know, a couple pot shirts people have picked up over the years. There's always you always see that. And this, there's going to be like rattlesnake skins. Right. You, you know, this desert stuff. Finally. Cruise through all this. I've followed the yellow footprints. And I'm coming up on the thing. Okay, here's the thing. So in the back, all the way through, I turn the final corner. And the big yellow footprints end at this, like, concrete block coffin. Like a coffin made out of concrete blocks with, like, glass on top so you can look in right and so in the dim light much like howard carter finding king tut for the first time i walk and i look in there what is the thing the thing is a dead body and that's pretty weird in the desert at night by yourself with Hitler and his Rolls Royce. You look in. And it's this like. Body how they get in the desert. Right really dried up. Kind of wrapped. With. Kind of mummy wrappings. And there's a little. Child mummy with it too. So it's an adult and child. that You know you think a mother and child. Oddly wrapped. Just Odd. Right. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, what is this? This has got to be fake. What is what is this? But I look at the ribs. So to picture this, it's all it's all desiccated. It's all wrapped up like the face is all wrapped up. It's almost Egyptian esque. But wrapped up, but like sunken in, you know, and dried out. But on the mom, the chest, kind of the upper left hand side, I think, is open and you see the ribs protruding. And I looked at the ribs and I'm like, hey, yeah, this is fake. But I look closely at the ribs and I'm like, wait, those ribs, that's real bone. As a budding archaeologist at the time, I'm like, I know real bone. That's that's real. That's real. What? What is this? I'm looking at it and it's just weird. Right? I'm really, I'm trying to be cool. But the X-Files scurrying, vaguely dead body Hitler thing. Well, I'm enough of a man to admit it's kind of getting to me. So <laughs> I turn around and I start to walk out. Right? I'm like, I'm walking along the big, huge yellow footprints backwards you know and i'm cruising through but i'm trying to be cool right i'm trying to like keep my cool and i'm like cruising by and i'm cruising by all the rusty stuff and i'm cruising by the funky signs that are like was it aliens right they had those two gotta have those you're out in the desert right there's the area 51 ain't so far away and i walk out and 
I have to say, the last couple steps to the door, the heebie-jeebies did kind of get to me a little, and I did have a bit of a spring in my step as I walked at a quick pace out of there, got to my car, got in my car, turned on the gas, and left. And on the road in the darkness, as my engine's going, right, I thought, what the hell was that? And I'll answer that in a minute. Hello, and welcome back to episode 98 of the Pseudo-Archaeology podcast, Kinkella Visits the Thang. When we last left, I was walking at a very quick pace out of the Thang Museum, and I got back onto the road, driving away, trying to figure out what the hell I just saw. So, I'm driving, and I'm like, what was that? Right. Was it a, did a dead person from like the 1880s? Cause you find stuff like that happens in the, in the desert, right? People die out in the desert. What if it was an immigrant, like, you know, crossing the border illegally? That, that can totally happen. But it seems so old. I was like, uh, maybe it was like a, some sort of prospector or something that died in the 1880s, you know, and it could have been in terms of ethnicity. Who knows? There, there's so many stories there. You know, it, it could be just sort of the, Mexican immigrant. It could have been a Chinese immigrant at the time working on the railroads at the time. It could have been some sort of Anglo prospector person, this mother and child. Who knows? But then I started to think, you know, this isn't that's not really right to showcase that in that way and pay money to see that. But then at the same time, too, I was like, but there's something off about this, too. Like it didn't it's not uh, there was just something odd. In the intervening years, my friends, I figured it out. First, I will again admit to you, I got faked out by the thing. (laughs) It's fake. But it's such a weird fake that it faked me out. It's fakeness faked me out. So what is it? What is it really, right? It's like a weird paper mache made human body with real bone shoved in there. You know, so that's, see, that's what got me because I knew the bone was real. But I knew that the head didn't really look human right. The measurements are all off if you look at it. Yes, it looks like a human body, but it's just, it's something wrong, wrong about it, right? So ultimately... It's this fake, right? So what's the story of the fake? The fake was created by this person named Homer Tate. And Homer Tate, you guessed it, these characters show up in like every one of these pseudo-archaeology stories. Homer Tate is like this desert rat guy who just lives out in the boonies of, of these little town in Arizona. He actually, he, I believe he was born in the 1880s. And so he he actually even was was sheriff of Graham County in the 1920s. He had, you know, various different jobs. He ultimately, though, in his older age, he would have been in his 50s in the 1930s, 1940s, when all this stuff is from. Right. A bunch of stuff from the 30s, 40s. He found that he was good at making curios and making weird stuff with wood and real bone and paper mache, basically found objects of the desert. He would collect all this junk and then make stuff out of it and then sell it, right? He would sell stuff like shrunken heads. And he actually had 
like a, a curiosity shop. You know, I believe it was called like Tate's Curiosity Shop. You know, and then see if you wrap that in to that world of the 1940s, 1950s, you know, post-World War II, when you're when you're going to have that kind of Route 66 traveling the highways and byways of America, visiting these places. You can see how a shop like that is going to make money of some sort. So he would make this stuff and he would sell it. To tourists, and he he was a, as a collector too. He's going to collect these various cars that come his way. He's going to find the stuff in the desert. He's going to buy it cheap from people, you know, and just and just sort of collect it all together. So he's just like this weird desert collector guy who makes these little curios. Those, ooh, is it a mummy or is it, you know? So, but you need somebody to sell it, and that's where a lawyer named Thomas Price comes in. And he buys up all of Homer Tate's stuff in in the 1950s, I believe. And he ultimately opens this place in 1965, I think. And he puts this stuff all together on an off-ramp in Texas Canyon, Arizona, right? Right off the I-10 in 1965. And so a scant 33 years later, we find me pulling off there late at night just to see what was happening. And I do think it's really funny that I was faked out as an, as a budding archeologist by the thing. Now I was never that I never told people I'm like, Oh, it's a, it's a real mummy. I just, I would always say it's just odd. And I know there's real bone in it, you know? And sometimes odd curiosities like that are much more freaky and scary and X filesy than a real like human skeleton, you know, there's a human skeleton in the biology lab I could go over and check out right now, but it doesn't freak me out like that because it's a known entity. That's what makes the thing so weird, right? It's like unknown and just odd. What makes it so odd too is like, who made that? Why would they do that? What's the deal? And there's a child there. Like, why, why did you make this for me to look at? And why do I oddly kind of want to look at it? Right? It's this whole sort of voyage into the psyche. That makes the thing so, I don't know if I'm going to use that word attractive, but it makes you want to see it. It makes you not want to look away. So that's what this thing is, right? So it's just an organized bunch of weird junk and curiosities originally kind of collected by this guy, Homer Tate, and then sort of sold to the world by this lawyer, Thomas Price. And that's what it is. But there's more to our story. In the last handful of years... It's totally been cleaned up and rejuvenated. It's now called the Bolin Travel Center. (laughs) And instead of $1, now it costs $5. I know. Robbery. But I looked online, right? I haven't visited the new and improved. I just visited the old school classic. The new one's all all really cleaned up. I think the number one thing I noticed in the photos, I'm like, damn, that looks way cleaner. Just like the driftwood's gone and just the miscellaneous pieces of metal are gone and the dust is gone. And in its place, there's a lot of like actually fairly well done in a way like dinosaur statues, like ones that are even that look to me like 15 feet tall. So they kind of doubled down. They did have some fossils in the original one, but just miscellaneous pieces, parts. 
they doubled down on the dinosaurs and they've made some like dinosaur replicas that look kind of cool and they're in really cool poses and stuff. And then, of course, a bunch of aliens, too. So they've totally doubled down on the alien thing. The alien thing used to be just sort of a part of it with the thing being, you know, could it be an alien? But they've they've made these much better quality models, you know, these sort of life-sized and beyond models. Maybe not life-sized totally for the dinosaurs, but big. And they sort of have these dioramas as you walk through. Like, you'll see a dinosaur and the classic kind of Tyrannosaurus battling a Triceratops. But then you'll see dinosaur battling an alien. Then you'll see an alien shooting a dinosaur. Then you'll see an alien controlling a dinosaur, riding a dinosaur, using mind control. So it's just gone like way over the top. Ooh, but check this out. The Rolls Royce is still there, but it may have been owned by Winston Churchill. Uh, cleaned it up for the PG audience. Thank God. But now Winston Churchill's in the back and there's an alien driving the front. <laughs> they've also done, they've also kind of organized, I got to give it to them. They organized a lot of junk. They've also done sort of vaguely a World War II thing too, where they sort of talk a bit about World War II and they've kind of organized some of this stuff. And the Winston Churchill thing <laughs> works into it with it world war ii with aliens so you sort of have a dinosaur world war ii aliens vibe you know replacing the driftwood rusty stuff hitler vibe <laughs> and and so in terms of as a business move i think it was really smart you know i think way more people are going to feel way more at home checking it out now it's much more family friendly much more like oh we're just going to see this curiosity on the side of the road we're kind of going to live our route 66 fantasy good luck and god bless now ultimately what do i think i'm really happy i visited it in 1998 i'm really happy i got to have the real X-Files vibe that is now gone, right? It's now clean. I do think they missed a bit of a trick losing that totally odd desert rat aspect to it. And I wonder if they should leave one of the sheds in the back, like super dusty and just full of the world's most miscellaneous stuff for people to just kind of walk through, but then kind of get the heebie-jeebies at least. You'd just be like, what is this weird stuff? They do still have the thing and you can still look upon it, but I believe it's built in. Not sure. But as you can see, they're kind of moving above and beyond the thing itself. Again, the thing is still there. You can still gaze upon it. But at the same time, you're seeing dinosaurs and aliens and stuff. You know, they're they're widening their their net. They have way more swag to buy, way more T-shirts and cups. Right. And ultimately, how do I feel about this? fake obviously and it relates to pseudo-archaeology because they are selling a mummy that's not a mummy it's like a fake on a fake you know that faked me out a fake on a fake that faked me out how do i feel this one i feel like this one is so over the top that i don't mind so much i mean an alien riding a dinosaur it does harken back to that route 66 thing this is this is like a curio shop where the word shop is spelled with an E at the end. You know, it's just this outlandish, over-the-top, 
homage to everything outlandish and over the top that you could find in Route 66. And so ultimately, eh, who doesn't like the X-Files? And with that, I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Pseudo Archaeology Podcast. Please like and subscribe wherever you like and subscribe. And if you have questions for me, Dr. Andrew Kinkella, feel free to reach out using the links below or go to my YouTube channel, Kinkella Teaches Archaeology. See you guys next time. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.